Hi, I'm Jason Wachab, founder and CEO of My Buddy Green, the best-selling author of Wealth, and your host for the My Buddy Green podcast, where I'll be bringing you deep and insightful dialogues with some of the greatest minds in wellness. If you like what you hear, please give us a five-star review, comment, and share with your friends and family. And don't forget to visit us at mybuddygreen.com for your daily dose of wellness. Thanks and enjoy the podcast. Here at the Mind Buddy Green office, everyone works extremely hard to grow our brand and reach ambitious company goals. And that's just not in our industry. We all live in a fast-paced, multitasking world that often demands quick thinking. And if you're anything like me, you want to be razor sharp on top of your game all the time. But with so much going on, we can all feel foggy, forgetful, unfocused, or unmotivated sometimes. So I want to take a minute before our episode to tell you about OMAX Cognitive Boost. You may already know that omega-3 fatty acids play a huge role in brain health and performance, but there's another essential brain nutrient called alpha-GPC that benefits memory. OMAX Cognitive Boost is a supplement developed by Yale-affiliated scientists that combines both. It's 100% certified and tested and designed to fuel peak performance by boosting memory, focus, and energy output. OMAX is now offering MBG podcast listeners an awesome deal. 70% off a one-month supply of Cognitive Boost plus free shipping and a 60-day money-back guarantee. Just go to omaxboost.com slash mindbodygreen to take advantage of this great offer. That's omaxboost.com slash mindbodygreen for 70% off a one-month supply. This episode of the MBG Podcast is brought to you by Ohm Mushrooms. They have expertly crafted premium, certified organic, and non-GMO project verified mushroom superfood powders. When it comes to superfoods, mushrooms are front and center as they deserve every ounce of their fame. Ohm Mushroom Superfood Powders have been expertly crafted to support things like immunity, gut health, brain health, and women's wellness, which are endlessly important aspects of health. They even have a blend tailored to all of you high-performance athletes out there. From shaga and cordyceps to reishi, lion's mane, and turkey tail, Ohm works with the most scientifically studied mushrooms, each with their own functional superpower. You can put them in your smoothies, coffees, teas, or even overnight oats for an added superfood boost during the day, or you can put them into your favorite salad dressing or soup for dinner. With no added sugars, fillers, or artificial ingredients, each serving of Ohm provides whole food nutrition that's vegan and gluten-free. Ohm was founded by Sandra Carter, an integrative health expert with a PhD who also has a master's in public health, and Steve Farrar, a renowned mycologist or a scientist who studies fungi, which sounds like a pretty cool job. They both have a deep passion for mushrooms and want you to be able to experience their extraordinary benefits too. All of their mushrooms are organically grown the way nature intended at their indoor farm in California. They're cultivated, dried, milled, and then packaged to make sure that innate healing benefits are retained. This means that the full spectrum of benefits, including super antioxidants, beta-glucans, prebiotics, and digestive enzymes are all finding their way to your body where they'll help support your optimal health. Learn more about Ohm at ohmmushrooms.com and enjoy 20% off for all MindBuddyGreen listeners. Use the code MBG20. That's MBG20 at ohmmushrooms.com. Try Ohm Mushroom Superfood Powders and elevate your energy, immunity, and vitality. Hey, everyone. I hope you don't mind the brief interruption, but I wanted to take a minute to share something I'm really excited about right now. 
In today's world, many people simply view food as sustenance, entertainment, or even worse, as the enemy. But that's not how it should be, and definitely not how it has to be. What people often forget is that food fuels us, nourishes us, and is one of the most powerful, and not to mention affordable, pathways to our greatest well-being. That is why we here at Mind Buddy Green, along with some of the world's top functional health experts, have created the first ever functional nutrition program, a comprehensive training built to help you discover how you can unlock the healing powers of food. Featuring the techniques of renowned experts like Dr. Mark Hyman, Dr. Frank Lippman, Dr. Vincent Pedre, Kelly Levesque, and more. I don't, by enrolling in this one-of-a-kind opportunity, you'll learn how you can heal your gut, improve your digestion, and fight inflammation. How you can use food to enhance the health of your brain and fight autoimmune disease. How to heal your thyroid, slow the aging process, and pick the perfect supplement to complement your functional nutrition habits. Plus, lifestyle changes you can start making today to prevent disease and promote long longevity. Essentially, you'll learn how to heal the body through the power of food so that you can feel rejuvenated and more alive than you ever thought possible. On top of all of this, as a student in the program, you'll receive total access to over 160 video lessons, live office hours with all instructors at various points throughout the program, exclusive self-paced content to deepen your functional nutrition knowledge, including an array of thorough study guides, writing assignments, and quizzes, discussion boards to interact with other students, and the Mind Body Green Functional Nutrition Guide Certification, the MBG FNG, upon completion of the program, and so much more. Now, just because we're so excited about this program and so excited for you to start mastering the concept of functional food, we're offering you an exclusive deal. If you sign up today, you can get this comprehensive first-of-its-kind program for $600 off the original price, so don't wait. To sign up for this exclusive deal today, go to mindbodygreen.com slash unlock. That's mindbodygreen.com slash unlock. Thanks for taking the time to listen to this exciting news, and we hope that you'll join us by making the Mind Buddy Green Functional Nutrition Program part of your journey toward optimal well-being. Hey, everybody. I just want to take a quick moment to thank you all for listening to the podcast and to say that we want to listen to you. So if you have any questions... Any dream guests, we are all ears. I would love to hear from you. So ask me anything and stay tuned for the answers or your dream guests on this very podcast. Send your questions to podcast at mindbodygreen.com. That's podcast at mindbodygreen.com. And I look forward to hearing from all of you. Thanks so much. And let's go back to the podcast. Our next guest is one of our favorite members of the Mind Body Green community. Longstanding contributor, member of the Mind Body Green Collective, and one of the people who's our first go-to whenever we're looking for anything functional medicine related, Dr. Will Cole. He is always enthusiastic, always one step ahead of the trends, and always on point. He's got an amazing new book, Keto Tarian Out, which we're excited to talk about today. Will, welcome. It's official. It's official. I'm here. You are here on the MBG podcast and congratulations on your fantastic new book, which everyone must pick up, Ketotarian, which we're going to talk about. So congratulations. Thank you so much. So I, I want to go back to, to, to the early days of Will Cole. And so talk to me a little bit about your journey to 
become a chiropractor and practicing functional medicine. Just a little bit about the journey and segueing to where you are today. Yeah. So I grew up in a household that revered wellness. Uh, so <laughs> my parents were uh, ahead of their time in many ways. Like I was that crunchy kid that drank weird stuff from soil and minerals in the 80s and 90s. In Pittsburgh, too. In Pittsburgh. Which I love. Yes. So I was the freak in many ways. Uh, that was the, the healthy kid with the healthy food in the house. So I kind of I always saw what that could do for one's health and being in the health food store and hearing stories. And that was kind of my world at home. Um, and then I... So I knew I wanted to get into healthcare, and I went to this integrative school in California. It's called Southern California University of Health Sciences. So it's sort of this uh, this collection, this mecca of different thoughts in, in healthcare. So there's doctors of chiropractic, medical doctors, acupuncture, oriental medicine, all there kind of learning on how to help people in their modalities. Uh, and I heard of a guy called Datis Karazian, uh, who's kind of the one of the kind of forefathers of functional medicine and he was talking about this field of healthcare that I'd never heard of before and I thought wow that's awesome like this this collection of the best of of alternative health which is getting somebody healthy and the best of mainstream or conventional medicine which is being evidence-based and running labs and being thorough uh, so I loved the connection between the two and I kind of never looked back since. I knew when I was in school at this integrative school that I wanted to be in functional medicine. That's awesome. And so this new book, Ketotarian, I love the concept. I love the book. But I want to really go back to some of the basics. You know, ketosis is a hot term. It's, it's hot nutrition right now everywhere. What is it? So <laughs> what the heck is ketosis? So it is a term of for, for fueling the body. So nutritional ketosis is what they're talking about. And it's getting your body to produce ketones or these forms of fuel naturally. Our body, our liver produces it. So all of us have basically two forms of fuel. We can burn sugar for fuel and we can burn fat for fuel. Most of us in the West are in this sugar burning mode, which fuels us for the, for the day. And we go from one meal to the next. Um, typically thinking about the next meal and it's, it's akin to sort of kindling on a fire. It works. It'll give you, give you that flame, but you have to keep refueling it or keep putting kindling on that fire often because it's going to be short lived. So you get hangry, you get irritable if you don't refuel. <laughs> uh, and this is an option to varying degrees for most people in the West it, from the standard American diet, which is more of a dirty kindling to a real food diet that can be cleaner kindling, but it's still kindling. And ketosis is, is the other option. It's metabolically your primary fuel source is burning fat for fuel. You're still going to burn sugar. Your body will still break down sugar through gluconeogenesis, basically producing sugar naturally. But its primary fuel source will be ketones. The main ketone is beta-hydroxybutyrate. And it's this very clean fuel. It's like a clean log on the fire. You have to fuel it less often so you will feel more sustained energy. Your brain will function better. You're kind of off the blood sugar roller coaster. That's what ketosis is. That's what when people refer to as a keto diet, it's getting the body in this fat burning fuel. It's our own fat, but it's also dietary fat and getting your fuel from there, which lasts long and it's, it's a cleaner fuel. It's like a hybrid vehicle versus 
sort of a, a tractor trailer truck that's going to burn through fuel faster. So that, that's the best way I can explain sure. it. Sure. So there's some science out there, and I want to talk. I want to hear a little bit more about the science and what traditionally keto was used for. Uh, definitely. Uh, on trend right now so so there and then women versus men and who should embrace this this way of uh nutrition and who should potentially avoid it so ketosis or a ketogenic diet has its roots way back to hippocrates times when they talked about fasting and different fasting protocols and um that was forms of ketosis and when you look at the totality really throughout human history humans would have been in varying degrees of ketosis for the majority of of human history but the term ketosis and the term ketogenic began in like the mid 20th century when they were finding that this was a treatment protocol through food for kids with epilepsy with seizure mm-hmm. disorders and that was kind of that that explosion of research at that time and now people are realizing well the amount of research that's being done is what this is beyond just the stricter therapeutic for seizures this is an impact for everybody's brain to varying degrees but people without medical conditions they don't have to be as strict on the macronutrients they don't have to be as carb restricted but they still can get the benefits of ketosis, um, so clearer brain function, lower inflammation, beta hydroxybase uh, is anti-inflammatory naturally. So that's kind of the birth of it. But today we are finding that there's a lot of cool clinical applications just for the everyday person. Sure, and also cancer. Another I, people I know have had cancer, have gone in for treatment. Like ketosis has been prescribed by Western doctors as part yeah. of the protocol. Yeah, I mean it's it, all that most most cancers you. F- their fuel is uh, sugar. Right. So for those cancers, it's a it's a treatment now in conventional medicine to starve the cancer. So who should avoid ketosis? Well, um, people that love carbs. <laughs> yep. <laughs> My sort of ethos when it comes to food is that you should make food your friend. And if you feel great eating the foods that you eat, then there's no reason to shift it. Your labs look great. You feel great. This is not about shaming somebody. This isn't about another diet to try for the sake of it. This is about using food to feel great. And if you already feel great, maybe it's not for you. But there's a lot of people that don't feel great. And that's what it's for. It's about experimenting with food in a new way. It's real food, but it's sort of biohacking in a way where you can get the most out of your food for fuel and to calm inflammation levels down. And what about women versus men? So women and men, um, when you make generalities like that, I think that there are women that do better with different amounts of carbs sure. and fats and men that do better with different amounts of carbs and fats. As a general rule, women, I think the, the conversation that's out there in the blogosphere is that women need more carbs. Um, I actually recently wrote an article for Mind, Body, Green about that. <laughs> um, and that it's actually most women actually need more fat in their diet and they don't need more carbs. And the problem is they're not shifting their body into being a fat burner. So at that point, they're in this sort of metabolic purgatory. That's a problem because they're not burning ketones, but yet they're carb restricting. They can feel really crappy at that point. But if you're really doing it properly and if you're really shifting your body to becoming a fat burner, um, at that point, women do amazingly well with it. And then I'm not just, this is, this is not to say that you have to be in ketosis forever and ever. Amen. This is about creating metabolic flexibility. So in ketotarian, I say, do this for eight weeks, shift your body from being a sugar burner to a fat burner. And then after that, 
you can find your carb sweet spot. You can cycle in and out of ketosis. You don't have to do the same thing all the time. Variability is a good thing. Um, and people can play around with it and personalize it. So some women like to increase their carbs when they want to, but then they go back to ketosis when they want to. And it's sort of that lightness and grace-based way of eating, I think, that has to be at the heart of wellness, not just when we're talking sure. about ketosis, but anything, of really loving our body enough to nourish it with good food and to make food make us feel great. So segueing to ketotarian, because I think this is actually one of the misconceptions, what are, you know, one of the misconceptions being you can't be plant-based and be keto, what, what are the, the biggest misconceptions with? Yeah, so a lot of people in the keto community they have this sort of tribalism, I think, that a lot of the vegans and vegetarians do, where they're dogmatic against each other really for no reason. Um, we're all wanting to feel good. We're all talking about health. And the cool thing about a ketogenic diet is you can use it in really un any umbrella. Mm -hmm. You can use it. And that's why in ketotarian, there's three different tracks. There's a vegan keto, vegetarian keto, and pescatarian keto, or what I call vegetarian, basically <laughs> wild-caught fish and shellfish and you can do one of those just being vegan keto or you can do a mixture of all of those which is what i do and this is to show the people in the plant-based world there's a different way to do their diet and it's not abandoning their principles it's not abandoning the way that they like to eat that maybe they're just the preferences they don't like to eat a lot of meat uh, they can still do it in a way that you can become a really amazing fat burner and have mental clarity so traditionally what do you think were the difficulties that people had who were plant-based in, in embracing keto and just talk about like what that looks like today. Like if you could walk us through like sort of how, what a day looks like for you as well. Yeah. I think a lot of people in the plant-based world are obviously most of them are doing it with really good intentions. They want to do the right thing for their health. They want to do the right thing for the environment. But I mean, I was a vegan for 10 years and I've written about this before, I write about it in the book, but basically I was doing it the way that it was done at that time, the way that I was told to eat when I was going to be plant-based. And what happened was I was depending on a lot of carbs to get me through the day, and that didn't work on my digestive system long-term, it didn't work on my energy system long-term, and I had started getting digestive problems, I have autoimmune conditions on both sides of my family. So for me, and I I now have seen lots of patients over the years. It's it's not sustainable. It's better than the standard American diet, but just because something's better doesn't mean it's optimal. Um, and that's really what my journey was, and I, I hope that a lot of people can kind of learn through this in the book, is that you can still be plant-based, but you should be um, getting your calories from a cleaner fuel source, which is healthy fats. So what are your favorite healthy fats? Because I, I think in, in so many, like, People have this, this, uh, picture in their heads and they think keto of like, okay, grass fed butter and coffee, mm -hmm. bacon, avocado, steak, I'm good. Right. And that's not, that's not it. <laughs> that's not it. It is for a lot of people in the keto and they get super excited about it. Uh, they, they just, and that works for short term for people, but then you have the pitfalls of the conventional keto diet. Uh, they aren't, they're kind of becoming, uh, overly fearful about vegetables because they're afraid of the carb content of vegetables. Right. And then that creates a whole other problem on that side. So what I tried to do is recalibrate both camps to say, look, you can have but the best of both worlds. Um, my favorite fats are avocados. I mean, 
that's an easy one and all the different ways to prepare the avocado and i love olives and olive oil i love nuts and seeds and um and then the for sort of the vegetarian options i love eggs i think they're a superfood for people that can handle the eggs eggs some people are sensitive to them and ghee is amazing so ghee over grass-fed butter ghee over grass-fed butter um, I, the casein can be a problem for some people. Now you can talk and be super nerdy about it, but there's the beta A1 casein and the beta A2 casein. Yep. The through the farming practices of you know, America, most cows are beta A1 casein, and that's what the typically the problem is for people that are dairy sensitive. Um, but the more and more A2 options are out there, which is the OG cow. It's like ancient primordial um, Indian. Well, ghee, ghee's, ghee falls in that category. It removes most of, yeah. if not all of the casein. But so if someone has grass-fed butter, I would make sure it's A2 predominantly, which New Zealand cows um, are predominantly K2, but I prefer ghee. And so yeah. what about the controversial, well, it used, didn't used to be, but I think now it is a little bit, coconut oil. Yeah, so I wrote about that too. I know. <laughs> <laughs> One of our favorite and most prolific contributors of the Mind Body Green Collective. That's why we love you. Yeah. We love you for lots of reasons, yeah, thanks, but Jason. you're prolific. I love you guys too. So um, the the research about coconut oil is that, I mean, no one's going to contend this, that it raises total cholesterol in some people. The problem is it the research that they're citing uh, the, the American Heart Association and people that were kind of jumping on that that, stud, that study that came out, which wasn't even a new study. It was sort of just a re-conversation. It was a new conversation about an older study, is that it doesn't raise uh, bad cholesterol levels. It actually improves cardiovascular markers in people. Um, it improves uh, large buoyant LDL particles, which is this subfractionation of lipids. So a uh, lab that we run in functional medicine is something called a nuclear magnetic resonance or NMR test. And it's measuring all these particles that carry cholesterol. So it's not cholesterol that's a problem. It can be the inflammation that damages the particles that carry cholesterol. And why am I saying this? It's because coconut oil uh, improves the quality of cholesterol it tends to and improves HDL, all these good markers. Now, there are some people that have genetic uh, polymorphisms or genetic changes like the APOE4 gene. Uh, those people do better with limiting saturated fats. So people with these gene mutations are increased risk for heart attack and stroke. They have increased risk for Alzheimer's. So those people tend to do better with limiting the saturated fat the plant fat here would be coconut oil, but it's also grass-fed beef. And so, if you have APO four, avocados okay or no? Yeah. So, okay. uh, and it's actually preferred. The people that are doing studies in Alzheimer's and and improving the the life of people with Alzheimer's, you still want to be in ketosis, a, a small amount of ketosis, but it's getting your fats through monounsaturated fats and. Uh, omega fats, like sure. the polyunsaturated fats. So yeah, and then people, I would say too, uh, some people have uh, intestinal permeability issues like leaky gut syndrome. Those people, depending too much on saturated fats, can cause in inflammation too because of the bacteria in their gut. So I think the takeaway message here is variety is important and uh, coconut oil is great, but for some people it should just be in moderation. And so what's a, what's a day of keto look like on this program? Like what do you wake up, breakfast, yeah. you know, lunch, dinner, et cetera? So I, 
intermittent fast in the morning. And that's one way that you can increase ketosis. And if anybody just skipped a meal. So define that too, because a lot yeah. of people have different viewpoints. Is it 12 hours? Is it 16 hours? Is it this? Is it that? So what define what that looks like. A simple intermittent fasting um, way to do it is eight to six. Only eat between 8 a.m. and 6 p.m. That's super simple. Most people listening can do that. A little bit more would be 12 to 6 p.m. And that's typically what I do where I will just not eat after 6 and I'll wait until lunch the next day to eat. And then what I'll eat is I'm a, I'm a creature of habit. I, I'm pretty boring when it comes to this, but it's normally lots of greens. I'm, I'm drizzling sort of an avocado oil based dressing, dressing, uh, with avocados. And I will typically have some wild caught fish on there. Um, so maybe pull caught albacore tuna or something like that. And then again, you don't have to have the fish. If you want to be completely vegan keto, you can do that too. And then for dinner, it's something similar, but I mix it up with different herbs and spices and it doesn't have to taste the same. You can really make so much, so many plant-based meals taste differently with how you prepare it. And we have over 75 recipes in the book. So wow. you can do that. So yeah. do you do coffee in the morning? I don't. I do Earl Grey tea. Earl Grey tea. And I do this for like a nerdy reason. Earl Grey tea, like true Earl Grey tea has bergamot in it. And bergamot, uh, is, has been shown to increase autophagy, which is the cellular repair, cellular recycling system that you can enhance your intermittent fasting by uh, having Earl Grey tea up on fasting. So that's what I do. So what other, so do you drink coffee at all or no? Yeah, I do. You do. do you do the, do you do the ghee or just no. black or almond I, milk or? I sometimes will do MCT oil in it, but typically it's just plain. And that's the thing. And I think a lot of people are like, oh, should I do that in the morning if I'm intermittent fasting? Mm -hmm. I would prefer my body using my own body fat for fuel and, and not kicking me slightly out of fasting from that bolus of fat in the morning. You're still going to get the benefits of overall the good outweighs the bad when you do that, when you have that butter coffee in the morning or you're having the MCT uh, tea in the morning. But the autophagy benefits, the cellular repair benefits, we tend to do when you're not stimulating any insulin, you're not stimulating any digestion throughout the day. Got it. So Colleen and I will typically do just ghee and coffee in the morning. And then we don't really eat till 10, 11 or 12. We just like, we actually really like the taste, like the foaminess. And yeah. So maybe take a break from that sometimes yeah, just do black. You can rotate it. Yeah. And I think that that's, that's a good thing to try But again, the benefit, it's not all or nothing. Sure. You're still getting benefits from it. I just would be a little bit stricter some days to get the autophagy benefits. Sure. So what about dessert? Yeah. Can you do dessert? I've seen like, is that real? Is that a real thing? Can't. Yeah. <laughs> It's a thing. So I love berries with coconut cream. And you, you can do a lot of sweeteners that are keto-friendly because they're not going to really so, stimulate. So, okay, so which berries and which sweeteners? Sorry. Yeah, I'm really yes. excited right this now, as <laughs> listeners could probably tell. So I'm like, okay, which berries and which sweeteners? <laughs> Give me the berries. So they're all any berry, uh, uh, raspberries, blackberries, blueberries, really any berry. Because that's lower fructose really is the is the thing and any citrus fruit is lower in fructose you can have a lot of different ways of preparing those lower fructose fruits um and the fiber in them is is a good thing it blunts sort of that sugar spike as well from a real food uh and coconut cream you can and you if you want to sweeten things up you can use stevia or stevia you can use xylitol 
you can Ooh, use xylitol, controversial one. Yeah, I think it's good for most people. Too much of it can cause digestive Runs, issues. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> watch out if you do. Sorry, too much. I gotta leave the podcast right now. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> and monk fruit is another one too. So there are sweeteners you can use. Like you would prepare any dessert, you're just using those uh, healthy, natural. What low- about coconut sugar? That's going to be fine in small amounts. Right. But again, you're going to have to know your body. Some people have a higher carb tolerance. Some people have a really low carb tolerance. So some people that can have quite a bit of these real food carbs and they still do fine. They're still in ketosis or maybe they go out of ketosis, but they can go right back into ketosis and it's okay. It's just the dynamics of life. But some people, they'll know if they have it, they don't feel as good. So you have to kind of feel your own body when you're eating these foods. So what about nut butters? I love them and I think they're an amazing ketotarian food source. So which, how would you rank them? Hi. I mean, they're a great vegan keto fuel source for the day. Like those little packets or just get a big jar. I mean, I could, I, I could. What's your favorite? Do you go almond, cashew, peanut? What's your opinion on? I think that they all can be fine. I tend, I like the almond butter the best from a food medicine standpoint. I am a self-confessed peanut butter junkie though. I'm, I'm going to be real. It's just not my go-to from like a, uh, like a, a good fat standpoint, a clean standpoint. Sure. Some uh, peanuts can be higher in these molds called aflatoxins, but Valencia peanuts tend to be less than that. But it's still, again, it's still within the the umbrella of a plant based ketogenic lifestyle. What about alternative milks? Love them. I think. What, that how they, would you rank it? Like almond milk, cashew. Yeah. Like how would you? I would put them all uh, in the same category almost for preference and have a variety of them. So almond, cashew, coconut milk, I think they're all great. Plant-based milk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hemp milk as well. Yep. Um, and then dairy briefly, which you talked about. So like, mm-hmm. you know, gut, Dr. Gundry's been on here. We'll talk about the A2 casein. Mm-hmm. He'll say like, enjoy, enjoy dairy from uh, southern France and Italy. Like what's your take on, yeah. on dairy, on uh, keto? If you can get good... A2 dairy, uh, you then go for it and some people handle it fine. It's not part of a ketotarian lifestyle. Right. <laughs> it's just, it's not. I'm focusing on plant-based keto for this time. So do this for eight weeks. And after that, if you want to bring some French cows into your life, <laughs> then have at it. I think some people could do good. I just wouldn't use it as a staple. Sure. It's like a treat. It's sure. not, if you really love milk, I don't like milk that way. Sure. I, I prefer to have the almond milk. So let's say you're riding in an elevator with someone and they're like, they're intrigued. They say, what do you do? Oh, I got a book out. Ketotarian. Well, like what are like the, 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 the five staples? So avocados clearly like what else? If I got five things, I have to stock my fridge and pantry. What are the must haves? So avocados and all its variations with oils and guacamole, and then you can do olives, olive oil, and then you can do, like, if you like eggs and have that, and then have ghee, that's your fat, and then, then oops, sorry, the, nut, the nuts and seeds, and then all the millions of different versions of non-starchy vegetables. So that's all plant-based keto, uh, and that's good fiber for your microbiome, which will produce this short-chain fat, fatty acid called butyrate which is 
chemically related to beta hydroxybutyrate mm-hmm. and our microbiome makes that naturally and then if you're going to get pescatarian then the wild caught fish are, are amazing so wild caught salmon or albacore tuna or any one of these anchovies and sardines are amazing omega sources too so there's variations of plant and pescatarian options for lobster people. yeah shellfish are really new summer you gotta spend- yeah <laughs> yeah so uh, shellfish like lobster, clams, oysters are really great sources of micronutrients and minerals that um, it's hard to get in other foods and it's highly bioavailable. So you've always been a guy who's been ahead of the trends. So what's exciting to you in terms of what are some superfoods, herbs, adaptogens, what have you that are like, oh, that's interesting. You know, there's some science there. It's not really on people's radar. Like, what are you looking at that's interesting to you? So I, a few things. One is intermittent fasting. I'm still kind of like in awe of what our body can do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and autophagy and, and finding ways to stimulate it, like I said, with the Earl Grey tea. And um, if you don't have Earl Grey tea, like the essential oil bergamot just by itself, like in water, I think finding ways to stimulate our body's own natural detoxification cellular recycling system is really cool. I'm fascinated by that. Um, ketosis is obviously really exciting to me right now and the impact that can have on our, on our brain and calming inflammation levels because most sure. of my week are spent with patients with inflammation issues. So to find a way for your body to naturally lower inflammation is really exciting for me. Um, and something that maybe is a little weirder that I, I, I'm excited about as well is something called helminth therapy. Have you heard of that before? No. Helminth therapy are basically is a- How do you spell that? H-E-L-M-I-N-T-H. Okay. So it's a fancy word of for saying parasite therapy for it's people with autoimmune conditions that are looking to balance their inflammation levels. So there's studies showing that there's positive outcomes for people with MS, with ulcerative colitis, with Crohn's, with other inflammatory problems because these worms- would have been with humans for a long, long time. And by giving the patient these worms, they want to survive and they shut off your inflammatory response in your body. So that decreases inflammation for the patient uh, and they feel better. Uh, And then there's ways to do it where they're non-human parasites so they don't last in the body and they just go out. This is not like foundational, like don't eat junk food swallow parasites but this is for people that are really sick that have tried a lot of good stuff in their wellness journey but are still struggling with the last 20 percent um and these are studies really exciting with helmet therapy so are there are there any like herbs or supplements that you feel like haven't gotten the attention they deserve for me I love holy basil and, and maybe some people are familiar with it, but it's this adaptogen that is quite calming. It's very effective. So holy basil for me is like this adaptogen that doesn't, it's like the, like ashwagandha is like the Beyonce of adaptogens. Well, let's just go, let's just do it right now. Let's rank your adaptogens. <laughs> yeah. So ashwagandha is top Ashwagandha the is the, is the top as far as popularity. But, um, well, you rank, I want the Will Cole list. All right. All what right. do you think is, let's go, let's go through like one through five and you rank them and tell us why, why you rank them accordingly. Yeah. So I think it's down to the, what the individual needs, sure. but I'll just tell you my own personal bias on like for myself. I like holy basil. I love, um, I love ashwagandha. I think it's really great. I love shishandra and I love the adaptogenic mushrooms. So I love chaga 
and I love lion's mane for its like brain benefits. So that's that so. Be if my you top. walk, can you walk through? So why do you love holy basil? Talk about the benefits. It's like a, it's like uh, the adaptogenic chill pill. <laughs> it's like the the nature Xanax. <laughs> so I I like that, and I, ashwagandha is nice because it's versatile, and um, a lot of people do well with it. Um, and the and it's it's common. It's a lot of different formulas. Um, and then the adaptogenic mushrooms, I, I just again they're very well toler- tolerated. Like people just don't do really well on them. Um, so I love lion's mane for its brain factor growth um, that it, it can have on the body. Sure. I love it. So there's a lot happening in wellness and nutrition and food, functional, functional nutrition, medicine. Hmm. To me, it's like the most exciting time. Like what, what are the trends at like, I want to distinguish between like, what's a, what do you think is a trend? And then what do you think is a fad? So a trend I would say right now is the keto diet. Yep. It's on people's radar. It's, it's buzzing on the wellness blogosphere and people are asking questions about what the heck is it. Um, that's definitely a trend. And you know what? The trend will come and the trend will go, but the research remains and the benefits in people's lives remains. And that's what um, I've seen from many trends that have come and gone is that once it leaves, okay, the benefits that I've seen in people's lives still there. It's just the public's attention is not there sure. as, as much. Um, and then a fad, like any uh trend there comes a lot of products with it so maybe a couple years ago it was paleo and i think there was a a boom of different paleo treats there's still a lot of good treats out there i'm not saying anything bad but when people focus too much on that and not real food that's a problem and i think that that's more fad like and that's when i think a lot of diets can get a bad name and the people are too focused on the products and not real food um so products are great it's we live in a time where you people have choices and that's amazing um but food should be primary real food should be primary and these things should be uh secondary sure so i know we're unique individuals and it's hard to generalize but if you had to generalize like what are you know, for people listening, what are the, the tests or labs that probably everyone should get done? Uh, you may not be able to see you, uh, or Frank or Mark or any of these functional, but like they just want to like go to a, go to a lab and get it done. So, and then, mm-hmm. and then part two of that question is like, what are some of the supplements that for the most part, everyone should probably take? Yeah. So a concept in the book that I talk about is this inflammation spectrum. And I think that most people to varying degrees, can, it's just statistically, find themselves to varying degrees. So brain fog, fatigue, that's a form of inflammation. Um, anxiety and depression, that can be inflammation. Autoimmune disease, diabetes. We're talking about the majority of, of the American population and beyond, Western population. Um, so some good inflammation tests that you don't need a functional medicine doctor to run. You don't even need a doctor to run it. You can go, uh, and again, the amazing time that we live in, you can get labs on demand just online. Um, so getting a C-reactive protein, specifically high-sensitivity C-reactive protein, the functional range is below one. Um, and homocysteine is the other one. Uh, the functional range is below seven. So above that, it's been shown to increase blood-brain barrier permeability, which basically equates to brain inflammation. Dr. Bredenison at UCLA is doing a lot of research at looking at homocysteine and 
cognitive decline, dementia, and Alzheimer's. Um, so getting homocysteine below seven and uh, ferritin. Ferritin is another easy one that any doctor can run. So high ferritin can be an acute phase reactant, which basically means in states of inflammation, it will spike. So those are three inflammation tests. And then on then secondary would be the nutrient and vitamin D, which is, again, simple, cheap test, and the functional range is 60 to 80. Why is that important? It's because it's responsible for over 2,000 different genetic pathways. It's super important. So it's like the king of all nutrients because every cell of our body needs it. Right. Uh, no other vitamin can claim that importance other than the thyroid, which is the thyroid and the vitamin D are like the king and queen of all hormones. Vitamin D is sort of a pro-hormone, how it acts in the body. Um, so that's another test you can have run. And then as far as supplementation, it would be vitamin D with K2. Uh, super simple, a lot of different options out there to get your vitamin D on point. And then you just retest in a couple months until you see 60 to 80. That's associated with longer life, fewer diseases, good stuff, simple. And the second thing would be um, methylated B vitamins, which is in food naturally, but um, oftentimes people have different methylation gene impairments and we're exposed to so much junk in our modern toxic world that giving your genes some extra support with some methylated folate and methyl B12 can be good to kind of recycle those inflammatory um, proteins like homocysteine down. And so you're such always a positive guy. I'm curious, any pet peeves? Uh, pet peeves like with health or yeah, pet peeves with health. It, it's be anyone being too dogmatic and tribal. That gets me a little bit Sure, like being super negative and, and nasty about food. Like if you're not going to get along with people about food, I'm assuming you're not going to get along with people, a lot of other things too. So I think that there's a really a room for just a civil conversation and, and us getting along. And that's part of the reason why I wrote the book was just to show both these seemingly opposite worlds, vegan and keto don't have to be all that different. And I think that's our world needs more of that. So where do you think the world of wellness is going to be in a couple of years? Wow. I mean, Expo West, we were both there not too long ago. It was amazing. And that was my first time there, how big the wellness world is. Um, and so I think it's going to keep growing. I think people are looking for answers. And it's born out of a failing healthcare system, really. I think it's born out of people realizing, well, what we're doing isn't working for us. And it was, it's the new generation of not just, well, I'm doing it because a guy in, or a woman in a white coat told me to do it. I actually want to find this out myself. So podcasts like this and Mind Body Green, reading and educating yourself is really the consumer is now enlightened and the consumer now wants other options. And I think that's why when you start seeing all these companies go, it's a good thing. Real food should be first, but all of these uh, companies are really giving people better options than what we are used to. Amen to that. Thank you. We'll call Longtime MBG collective member, friend and family, five for five, perfect attendance at Revitalize, <laughs> quite simply one of our favorite people here at My Muddy Green. Everyone go pick up Keto Terrain. It is a phenomenal book. And thank you, Will, for all the great work you're doing. Thanks for having me.